to episode 50 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France and... Welcome to episode one of the Nocturnus Keycast. Each week, we listen to The Key by Nocturnus and talk about The Key by Nocturnus. <laughs> I'm Mo from France, and to my west, listening to The Key by Nocturnus, it's Dr. Lee Quesson. Say do, Doc. Um, Maybe in the happiest mood you will ever find me in because <laughs> I get to talk about the key by Nocturnus. <laughs> now, the thing is, over the last several months, we've mentioned the key by Nocturnus many, many times. Yeah, far so too many, many Far too many. That we decided it needed not a mention, not an episode, but a whole entire series of podcasts all to itself. <laughs> A little like a little like Captain Willard, really. Um, you know, when 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 Captain Willard says that um, if 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 these stories are the, the confession are his confessions, then they're also those of Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> and I can't really talk about the story of my life without talking about the key by Nocturnus. Sure. Yeah, and, and and that's why this is episode one of of a planned. Did we did we, did we say one hundred episodes, Doc? We we're going to do. Well, I think I've just counted. I think there are 124 lines of lyrics. <laughs> so we're going to do one episode per line of... Of course we're joking, guys. We're only messing around. This, this, you know, this, this is episode 50 of Slaytanic Vercast. And we, we, you know, we just wanted to do something a bit different. You, you've got to celebrate getting to the half century, haven't you? And what better way could we think of than the key by Nocturnus? Um, Go on, Doc. Give me your thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the half century is very important. I'm pretty sure that um, Jeffrey Boycott by now would be sternly admonishing us for, um, like, celebrating our victories too early. Oh, yes. And, and, and he wouldn't think we played really well until we got to at least 100. Yes, yes. And, 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 um, and we all know um, what Jeffrey Boycott does when, when he's critical of somebody, don't we, Doc? Yeah, um, I like the fact that Jeffrey Boycott, during his life, wrote four books. Mm. Can you guess what they were about, mate? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing cricket. No, they were about Jeffrey fucking Boycott. <laughs> Is that That's right? That's they were about. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, particular track from this song, in fact, Destroying the Manger, may have been my very first encounter with death metal. Right. And I'm going to put this at the year 1990, summer of the year 1991, um, maybe the spring or summer, and I was watching the James Whale radio show, which was a 
television program. Yeah, I remember it. In Channel 4's uh, dearly beloved, like after the pub slot on Friday night. That was the Friday. That was that was when Channel Four on Friday night was fucking cool, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and um, they had a whole entire tranche of television programs explicitly made for something to put on um, when you lumbered back from the pub, stinking drunk, and having conspicuously failed to pull. And th- that, that was it. Well, that that was the role that Channel Four fulfilled late at night on Fridays, was it not? The James Wire radio show was the precursor to The Word, wasn't it, I think? Well, no, I, I, th- I think The Word was on afterwards. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, so they were concurrent and uh, like yeah. back-to-back. Um, and how best to describe this thing? It was a subversive version of one of those awful like right-wing talk radio programmes where the presenter invites um, basically people who really admire Alf Garnett to phone in and be outraged about things. Mm. Um, except James Whale would then take the piss out of them mercilessly. Well, yeah, he still does the same thing, Doc, on, on, on like regular radio, I think. He's been fired a bunch of times <laughs> from different radio stations. And, of course, now, like, the extreme left have absolutely lost all their sense of humour. So they accuse him of being, like, alt-right. They've got no fucking <laughs> idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, yeah. I, I have to be amused about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'll curl up in a ball and cry. Forever. Exactly. Otherwise, I'll just scream and scream until I'm sick. I'll scream and scream and scream until I'm sick. Yeah. Um, so that's what the James Whale radio show. And, and, and he, he did an episode about death metal. Mm-hmm. And, oh, really? Yeah. And was it a good thing or was it a bad thing? And um, I can't really. He had a studio guest who wasn't an absolute nobody. I'm not saying it was actually a member of Metallica, mm. um, but he, he had a studio guest who, who, who wasn't an absolute nobody. They showed a good chunk of the video for one by Metallica. Yeah. Clearly not, not death metal. Then mm. the studio guests were fucking nocturnous, mm. <laughs> performing, destroying the manger. Wow. Wow. I, I, will, I, will, I will scour the internet and try and find that, Doc. Um, and th- this... I didn't know whether or not Nocturnus had ever been in the UK, but apparently they were supporting Bolt Thrower um, at the time. Um, so it's just, and, and I, I distinctly remember they, they, they were the studio guests on the James Well radio show. Mm. And I'd never heard anything like this in my life before. Mm. Shortly afterwards, um, something we've already mentioned, the flames and the claims, um, Stephen Wells' censorship and right-wing Christian documentary. Sure. Um, was also on Channel 4, also late at night. And that had a clip of uh, the mighty dare side performing the unbelievably mighty uh, sui- uh, sacrificial suicide.
it's distinctly possible that that, that clip of Nocturnus on the James Well radio show was my first encounter with death metal. I mean, you know, I mean, kudos to James Whale. I've always liked uh, Whale, um, and you know, and and, and a, a real kind of radio pioneer. You know, pushing the boundaries of. I, I put him with um, um, like Tommy Boyd and Ian Lee. You know, these people that really take the you know take the fo- take the radio format. I mean, specifically like the phone-in format and, and, and just kind of take it to kind of mind-bending places. Um, and James Wilde was right at the forefront. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Doc, why are you so obsessed by this fucking album? Well, um, it's difficult to say. Um, <laughs> I, I was aware of Nocturnus, and it, it wasn't until a good year or so later that I met someone who was proper into their death metal. Yeah, and they said, "Oh, I, I, I've got the key by Nocturnus." Yes. Like, really? Really? It, it, it exists. Like it actually exists out in the world. You can it's a real it. thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he made me a cassette copy of it, um, and I'm going to put that as being the middle of April, 1992. Okay. I took it home, um, and then at bedtime, I changed into my fluffy pajamas and took my warm milk to bed and slipped my headphones on. And I listened to the album all the way through, twice. And for about the next one week, if somebody had asked me, so what kind of music are you into? My answer would have been The Key by Nocturnus. <laughs> That's it. Um, That's all I listened to. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Not metal, not hip-hop, <laughs> not rock, just The Key. <laughs> oh, yes. I was obsessed with the album for the bigger part of a week. I learned all of the lyrics. Um, I studied them intensely. Mm. Um, I knew every nuance of every little solo. Um, I love the fact that the singer sounded like a fish. Um, <laughs> it was just one, one of those obsession-forming things for me. And um, I've, I've had a massive amount of affection for it ever since. Mm. And shall I tell you why? As you know, we're embarked on this project at the moment where we study the lyrics of Slayer songs from a mimetic point of view, a structural point of view, um, various kinds of, what should we say, Freudian, Marxist, um, economic, social history points of view. What I love about The Key by Nocturnus is that it's absolutely impossible to do any of that. Sure. It, it is the most literal case of... What you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. These lyrics are actually about everything that you think they're about. And yes. I think that's brilliant. Yes, yes. I mean, my exposure to, to this album was from, you know, our, our, our mutual friend, uh, Metal John. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I thank that guy for making me aware of many, many bands. Um, and Nocturnus is no exception. And, you know, I was kind of just just kind of um, cutting my death metal teeth. And, you know, I was like a thrash kid and maybe a bit of melodic death. Um, but I wasn't really into like the more extreme end. You know, I don't think I'd really wrap my head around Morbid Angel, for example, at that point. Um, <clears throat> and, and and he recommended this album. I'm, I'm pretty sure he lent it to me or he, or he, or he kind of did me a copy of it. Um and my God, it, you know, it, it really, it, it just, it changed my world. It, it was this splicing together of two things that I knew that I loved. And it was, you know, extreme metal 
and science fiction and then just like smash those two things together just in the mind of nocturnus <laughs> i consider them to be one entity i don't think there's four or five members this <laughs> is one like a gestalt entity basically um, i don't you know there's not a drummer and a guitarist and a bass player nocturnus is a thing um, yes. And, you know, honestly, it, it was just such a delight. It maybe took me four or five listens to really start to, you know, to really start to get a handle on it. And, oh, but I mean, the, the, the joyous thing for me, I think you're, you, I think you, Doc, listen to this album much more, much more frequently and more recently than I have. I don't think I've heard this album in maybe 15 years in its entirety. That's what we're doing, guys. Today's episode, we're dropping all pretense of format. All we're doing for our 50th episode celebration, we're going to listen to The Key by Nocturnus from beginning <laughs> to end, and we're just going to pause it from time to time and, and say what, we, what we're thinking about in that moment. Sometimes it will be to do with what we're listening to. Other times it will just be random tangents. So if you're here for Slayer, sorry, guys, today you're going to be a bit disappointed. It's just me and the doc having a bit of fun, you know, best mates together, enjoying our 50th anniversary. As I send up. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. There is literally no better way to spend a Sunday. Ha. Should we get started? I think we should. Here we go. So track one, um, which is, of course, the legendary Lake of Fire. Here we go. <laughs> Very much sounds like, um, do you remember I played you a, a couple of episodes ago that, uh, I think for the Spill the Blood episode, the Nightmare on Elm Street theme. Yes, very, very similar, Doc. Definitely. Very similar. Go on, Doc. Go on, Doc. What do we, what, what do we make of that intro? <laughs> well, it, it sets the tone for the whole entire album. Wow. Um, it, it's, it's a mixture of genuine atmosphere and genuinely scary stuff. Yeah, but, yeah it's spooky, isn't it? Also, it's also overweeningly pompous mm. and bombastic. Mm. And, um, I, I mean, it, I was going to say it sets an epic tone for the album, which... Like, it just can't possibly live up to after. Or can it? Or can it? Let's find out. <laughs> 
love that. Uh, that, 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 that I love the, the way they use the guitar there at the start. Oh, I mean, obviously you've got the, like, the bit of shredding just to show off a little bit. But then when they want to crack the atmosphere, they make the guitar sound like a theremin. It's fucking brilliant, Doc. is the classic instrument of cheeseball 50 science fiction isn't it exactly exactly so, so they are, so basically they are communicating to the listener if you are well versed in sci-fi tv and movies you kind of know what you're going to get basically really really good <laughs> Spirits forming, ever swirling in the abyss of hell. Go on, Nocturnus. Well, they're just great lyrics, aren't they? Um, almost for the same reason that I love Slayer, because you can mine so much content out of their lyrics. I love these because you can't. No, that's um, right. This is a song that is literally about bones crushing and skull smashing in the vice of hell. And demons shoving tortured souls into the lake of fire and what's the track and called lake of fire doc lake <laughs> of fire <laughs> Solo doc, Jeff or Kerry? <laughs> Trey. <laughs> yeah, they can play a bit, can't they? They certainly can. Blimey. Um, do you get the impression that 
having extreme guitar chops was really a thing in the Florida scene at that point? Well, I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, if if you look at the like the big hitters from from you know, from, from Florida, who who are the big four be? Do, do you reckon? Obviously, Morbid Angel, um, Obituary. They 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 they're, they're from Florida, aren't they? Yeah. Um, um, there definitely was a big four of Floridian death metal. Um, Deicide? Deicide, definitely. Yeah. And, and so who would, four, who would the fourth be, do we think? So we've got Morbid uh, Angel, Obituary, Deicide. Who's number four? Is it these guys? No, it, it was, um, it was never, uh, Nocturnus were never part yeah, of... Yeah, they weren't um, big enough, were they? No. Um, I, I mean... I think it might be one of those where there's there's a whole bunch of contenders. I mean, Ripping Corpse would definitely a contender. But again, uh, it's, it's a bit obscure. Yeah, um, but I, I think it's also it's one of those scenes that was sort of like, even though it had some export success, largely in the UK or largely sure. in Europe. Yeah, um, I don't think Florida death metal was ever a huge thing in in its country of origin, but sure. it definitely was in its town and state of origin. So, yes, I mean... It's, fun, it's, it's funny when that happens, isn't it? 24, the TV show was like that, wasn't it? It, it was not to hit at all in America, but it was massive in Britain, and that and that's yeah. why... It, it, that's why it was given a second series, basically, because of the popularity <laughs> here. I will probably have to do some research and find out who's why. Because, I mean, isn't that also true of the, the, the big four of Bay, Bay Area Thrash? Um, well, I th well I mean, the big four of Thrash is well established, I think. You know, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax. Yeah. But, but Anthrax and, aren't from the Bay Area. And neither are Slayer. Uh, well, Slayer, well, Slayer are, we've spoken about this before, there is a big dispute between San Francisco and Los Angeles about who actually kind of has proprietary rights to Slayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the real contention between those two cities. But, yeah, I mean, um, in any case, um, Anthrax are um, not from within 3,000 miles of there, so... No, that's true. Yeah, so they don't count. Uh, yeah. Musically, so, of course, they count, but in terms of, um, you know, geography, they don't. Yeah, so, I mean, it, there's... It seems to me whenever you get these big four, see, I mean, if, if you go all the way back to the big four of the British invasion, yeah, uh, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Who, no, mm. but then um, who's number four? So if you're from the UK, the obvious answer is the Kinks. Sure. But they were never particularly well known in the US either. Mm. And um, oddly enough, a band that were never massively successful in their country of origin. I've often heard the Animals quoted as the fourth member of the Big Four of the British Invasion. Oh, really? Yeah. I know the name, but remind me of, of their big hit. Is that House of the, House of the Rising Sun? Um, that was their breakthrough hit, and then We Gotta Get Out of This Place is, oh, I yes. think, the song that everyone knows them for. I'm going to put it to you that whenever you have 
a, a well-acknowledged big four. It's actually a well-acknowledged big three and then a sort of floating or disputed position. Yes, it's, it's possible. I'm looking at a list here. As, as we've been talking, I've, I've been doing a bit of uh, kind of on-the-fly on, on Google research. Is a bunch of contenders, Doc. See what we make of this. Uh, Cannibal Corpse, um, six feet on... We've established the three. You know, you've got Morbid Angel... Deicide, obituary, they're, they're, they're given. And, th and then it's just kind of who's vying for that fourth spot, isn't it? Um, Cannibal Corpse, six feet under, death, that's strong. That's strong, isn't it? Death. Yeah, and the thing is, when you get to Cannibal Corpse and death, and say even six feet, th those were kind of outliers amongst the scene. Yeah. Um, I think even by their own stat, because I mean, I think even amongst the stupidly good musicians in the first three bands, I think Death were considered to be next level even amongst that, though, weren't they? But, but, but they are, they, they, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Encyclopedia, they are from Florida. I yeah. think that's the answer, Doc. I think that's the answer for me. Well, uh, um, should we suggest, do, do you think that's actually where the name of the whole scene came from? Well, you know, that, that, that's, a big, yeah. that's, a, that's a big question. You know, was the genre named after them or did they name themselves after the genre? That's the big um, question, isn't or, it? Or, or the medical condition. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Come on. <laughs> To that twiddle, blimey, try his axe off, get down and worship, man. <laughs> great is that how great absolutely, is that absolutely sensational isn't it what a what an album opener that is jesus christ i mean talk about set your agenda uh, definitely um, and it ends on a cliffhanger as well mm, mm. So if, if, yeah. if you like this this is episode one mm -hmm. um and it ends on a cliffhanger demons swarming corpses smashing through the gates of hell Satan flying from his throne towards the gates of heaven. Uh, that's it. That's the ending of the episode. Wow. I didn't know this. And then, you know, when, you know, when we move to track two, the lyrics literally pick up from that point, don't they? Right. I, I thought that for a little while. I think song number two introduces the other thread of the concept. Ah. 
Uh, I mean, the reason I, the, the reason I say that, Doc, you know, the, the last line, you know, Satan flying from his throne towards the gates of heaven, and that's the end of track one. And then the lyrics for start in track two, now heaven is destroyed by Satan. Right, surely is that's that just not... a direct follow-on, isn't it? Right. Is that not track three? Uh, it's Standing in Blood. No. Not track Standing three. in Blood is track two. Track two. Okay, sorry. Um, I've got my lyrics in the wrong order. It's all right, Doc. Don't worry. Um, and that also means that my copy of this album has been in the wrong order. Wow. There we go. Yeah. Although, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm trusting that Encyclopedia Metallum have got it correct. Um, I think they have. So, yeah, have. so in that case, yeah, literally episode two continues directly where episode one left off. And it sounds like this. <laughs> band doc do you remember really? yeah, yeah. Yes. I, can't, I can't remember the track but, but, but one of our tracks we had that that kind of real kind of fast thrashy deathy riff and it was directly ripped from this track not no no but the inspiration was this song yeah yeah doesn't it sound swedish though oh did it oh, in swedish as fuck if dismember were playing that you wouldn't be surprised at all would you no, definitely not. No. I should mention this this is track two standing in blood yeah it just sounds fucking awesome couple of tiny comments here um the uh yeah like uh, rack hat rack um tom roll across the top i was gently mocking that kind of thing um around our drummer in mm -hmm. that musical project that, that, that you mentioned. Um, and I felt absolutely terrible because the guy just turns to me with a completely garless expression and he goes, oh yeah, I, I'd love some of those. Mm. <laughs> um, I'd love to have those. He, yeah. he, he would love to have the eight um, toms of slightly diminishing size ranged all the way around the top of his drum kit. So he could go... Yeah, the guy you're talking about, Dameski, you know, he his dream was to have Nico McBrain's kit, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Um, I think he had. I think his dream was to have a medium-sized planet which existed to do nothing but support his drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
mean, the, the level of technical competence required to hit these time signatures is quite extraordinary, Doc. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Since I first got into this album, I've taken up with all kinds of music that many people would consider to be more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm no stranger to improvisational jazz or progressive rock um, or the sort of jazz rock fusion that's considered to exist at the outer limits of what human beings are capable of. Um, but, I mean, just in terms of the precision and the amount of rehearsal and the amount of practice, it must need to hit all of these time changes and tempo changes and key changes and chord changes. I, I don't even, I don't even know how human beings do it. it it's, it's a feat of, what should we say, mental agility and bodily skill that I rate as highly as that of any athlete. Well, you know, people, people who know nothing about music watch something like, I don't know, like the proms on the BBC, and you've got all those guys and girls in, like, in, in the orchestra pit, and, and, and they kind of wildly and, and admire their musical proficiency, and rightly so, by the way, because they are, you know, the masters of their craft, but they're reading the fucking music in front of them, you know, um, and, and they've got the guy with the stick apparently doing something that makes no sense. Um, but, the, but these motherfuckers, you know, this is all in their head. They're not reading the music. They've got, you know, they, they've got nothing to follow. They've got to remember this. Fuck me. The difference for me is that um, orchestral musicians I consider as master craftsmen. So mm -hmm. they're like highly skilled machinists um, in a steelworks or highly skilled carpenters. Yeah. Um, and the, the craft is developed to an extremely high skill. Um, and what the craft is, is to perform a piece of music exactly how the composer intended it to be performed. And mm -hmm. um, I don't consider that to be art. I wouldn't fancy my chances being an arranger or being a composer and being able to give these guys my composition and say, execute that. Sure. Um, it's a different skill set, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's so. I mean, I, I I consider it to be art versus craft, or art mm -hmm. versus or uh, creativity versus engineering, if you like. Yeah. So, the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra is craft, not yes. Turner's is art. Yes. Whoever thought that that sentence would be uttered, but it's definitely correct, isn't it? Here we go. Doc. Yeah. <laughs>
crazy stops in the background. That's absolutely mental. That timing is just so baffling. What do you think it takes to be able to have that kind of imagination? I mean, neither of us are unimaginative people. You're a writer. Uh, You've got quite a few novels under your belt. Um, I've always had a very healthy imagination. I could never dream up anything like that. The, the part of my brain that's wired to imagine music or write music, um, I could never. My brain would never even come up with the idea to do that, let alone the ability to do it myself, and then the ability to drill and organise and rehearse other musicians and to be able to do it at the same time as me. No, it, 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 it's absolutely crazy that these people exist. You know, I mean, you know, my musical imagination. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blessed in a way because you know, a lot of drummers I've worked with have always told me that I've got just this kind of off-kilter sense of timing that makes it interesting, hopefully, you know. Um, so, so I'm not like a 4-4 guy. Uh, you know, a lot of drummers have said you, 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 your kind of natural timing is like 4-5 like or 5-4, five, however, however you'd express it. So, you know, so the riffs I write are just a little bit kind of, there's a little kind of curve on it, basically, uh, but but to, to go to this this level, as you say, then to be able to find other people that are also capable of replicating it, Doc, it's fucking bonkers. And what's the fucking deal with this really not very big town like Tampa in Florida, which is no. not even as big as Miami, and I don't even think it's as big as Jacksonville. It's mm-hmm. not a very big town, but it, it, it seems just like puke out an absolute profusion of these people something in the water either something in the water yeah, yeah it's very very strange <laughs> Jesus wept, standing in blood, praying to die, standing in blood. Got enough to. Horns aloft to the mighty Nocturnus there with an epic Iron Maiden Iron Maiden ending as well. What a fucking song that was, Doc. Yeah, I've got a couple of comments on this. Um, so this is lyrically, this is the first reference to the grand concept which runs through the album. Yeah. What do you suppose the grand concept is, mate? What is, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's, there's, an, there's, there's an artifact. There's an artifact that crops up throughout human history 
According to this album, there's an artifact that crops up throughout human history and throughout different points in space and time. What do you suppose that artifact could be? I thought that because this is a concept album, isn't it? Yes. And I thought the concept was of like time travel, and you can correct me though. You know this album better than I do. I thought that I thought the concept was time travelers traveling through time with the mission to kill Jesus in the manger. You're not wrong. Yeah, um, I'll tell you. So the artifact, the artifact, I'm guessing is some kind of cruciform or crucifix of some kind to stab through the child's heart well the artifact is in fact the key oh, oh, <laughs> very good dog yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you blindsided uh, me there yeah correct this, this song is the first reference to um your soul will be freed through the gate find the key so sure. evidently the, the, there's there's this key which exists throughout human history and presumably the history of many other planets as well (laughs) Um, to affirm your previous assertion you are correct the best youtube comment ever described this album as the best concept album ever written about building a robot to travel through time and kill jesus in the (laughs) name they just haven't been enough for them unfortunately um, and even if they're worthy this will be the best this is still be the best let's move on to track three which is of course visions from beyond the grave <laughs> of those kind of evil synth stuff absolutely awesome well it's it's all great stuff but the the synths are, I, I think are a nice touch in a song that might in lesser hands just become an exercise in unremitting intensity. there's nothing wrong with unremitting intensity but when you do unremitting intensity and that's all mm. it because i've mentioned this when slayer do it once or twice it's a great workout mm-hmm. It's good for your soul, but it's not all that enjoyable to actually listen to while it's going on. No, there's, there's a band that, all, that I always think of that suffer from this problem. I, I, I can't quite bring them to... They're, they're British, and it's like real extreme death metal. It, it, it will come to me. If it doesn't, I'll put it in the, in the chair, motherfucker, next time. Um, yeah, but just, you know, it's, it, you know it's, it's 30, 35 minutes of just constant blast beats and... Like guitar fuzz, and it's and, and it's just unlistenable after about five minutes. I'm sorry, you need dynamics. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a couple of comments here. I think uh, in 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 the concept, I believe this is the introduction of the second plot thread. Go on. So I think this is where we introduce our human character, uh-huh. who is um, 
our um, we've we've got the grand concept, we've got the cosmic concept going on mm -hmm. on on the one side. So now that heaven has been destroyed by Satan, who sure. else? Uh -huh. um, on the other side, we've got this human character who is communicating with the dead, and we we get some even better than Slayer. We get the first of our lovely moments of nocturnous and intentional whimsy here. Go on. I just love the way that he says, asking questions through my crystal book. He doesn't say demanding answers. Yeah. <laughs> Borgia have heard this album. <laughs> it's not out of the fucking question, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, this is so influential on. Because what what year was this, Doc? Let me just have a quick look. I should um, know. I'm going to say the, the golden year of 1991. It was 1990, actually. It's a, this came out August the first, 1990. You're not far off. Um, on my birthday. Get out of here! Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Well, there we go. I mean, an already precious and special album has just been elevated even further. Um, what a birthday present. Now, <clears throat> so this was 1990. You know, the, 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 the symphonic black metal stuff. I mean, black metal hadn't really started in 1990, had it? I think you're looking at 91, 92 before, you, you know, likes of Dark Throne, Emperor, Bathory, these kind of guys, you know, Mayhem, you know. Um, so, Dark Throne were never symphonic. Emperor were not symphonic yet. Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm just talking about black metal in general hadn't really kicked off at this point. Never mind splintering into, like, raw and, you know, and, and symphonic. No, I mean, it, in, in this year, um, Scandinavian black metal was a bunch of bands knocking off Venom, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, but how, I mean, that, honestly, this track could very well, with, with, with a slight adjustment of, 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 of playing technique, it could very well fit on Dimmu Borgia's first album, For Altered, no doubt. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Here we go, Doc. It's this bit, isn't it? This is the symphonic black metal bit. It's this bit with the yeah. keys and like the, the big open chords. Yeah. 
the fact that in the lyrics, the word nocturnal has got a capital N, as if it's somehow related to the band Nocturnus. Definitely. That's a great thing. <laughs> How the fuck do you play that? How the fuck? I play guitar, Doc. I'm not bad at the guitar. I'm not the best in the world, but I'm far from the worst. How the living fuck do you play that? I I, I have no idea. I, I mean, yeah. I said this a few minutes ago. This is as amazing to me to figure out like what, what people are able, how people are able to make their perfectly normal human bodies a perfectly normal human mind do this kind of stuff. And it's as remarkable to me as a combination of someone who is much better at mathematics than I am. You know, I, I can't work out how those people can make their mind jump through those things. So there we go. That was track three, Visions from Beyond the Grave. Go on, Doc, get a point for the, for the end of the track. I am just following up on what is it about Tampa or was it, what is it about this, this, this particular town or this particular location um, that seems to breed these people in superabundance? I've got two candidates for what it is. Go on. Um, so one of them comes from that keyboard part. Um, and if you notice that, that there's a peculiar little rhythmic cadence at the end and it's Oh, and then it goes at the end. What that made me think of was um, fairground organ music. I know this from my time in the South, but carnivals and travelling fairgrounds are regarded with deep suspicion and hostility by the religious contingent of the American South. Yes. Um, and on the one hand, for the purely practical reasons that um, they are where liquor and loose women are to be found, and there's, there's a material threat to the spiritual well-being of their community. And there's also this sort of notional idea that um, the magicians and the conjurers and the people who run the freak shows are actually in league with dark forces. Right. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, nobody believes that anymore. Um, nobody believes that the stage magician is actually a real dark wizard. Mm-hmm. But the, these, in, in conservative cultures, these, these ideas die hard. And I think there's a, a cultural link between travelling circuses um, and real, actual, material, evil powers. Mm-hmm. 
Very interesting, Doc. I, I think I think Dean Koontz um, comes from that kind of area, and, and and it is noticeable in his books that he, you know he 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 does have a fascination with like carnivals and you know fun fun fairs, fun houses, that kind of stuff. Of course, he kind of twists it and makes it horror inflected, but I think you're dead right. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I I, I think that's what, so. I mean, I I think this 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 fairground organ. Um, is definitely another one, and this had never occurred to me until now. Until, uh, although it probably should have done, and that's southern folk music. Right. So um, you've seen um, Deliverance, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you'll you'll be familiar with the hyper technical banjo playing that's favoured in the. I know that's in the Appalachians and strictly in Florida.
but do, 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 do. That's what we're then, talking, isn't it? So you make a call, then the other guy replies to you and makes it more complicated. Mm-hmm. And you reproduce his riff and make it more complicated still, and you bounce backwards and forwards. Sure. Apo- apologies, guys. So, my dog's going bonkers in the background. Just, but it, right. He'll stop in a minute. Um, sweet picking. Um, I didn't even know this until comparatively recently. One of the many, many, many candidates who's credited with introducing sweep picking into, we'll loosely say, rock guitar playing is Steve Hackett from Genesis. Okay. And he claims to have adapted the technique from a technique that's used in banjo playing. Sure. Uh-huh. So I think this hyper-technical sweep pick, pick harmonic shredding, I think that has its roots in Southern folk music. Yeah. Yep, it's all totally plausible, Doc, and utterly relevant to the geography of this band. Here we go. Track four now, which is Neolithic. transition that is that's awesome <laughs> just you, you know that you've got that kind of plodding kind of head banging roof and then just a rip into that full-on thrash assault that's awesome <laughs> Where they transition is such a weird place to change. And just to go into that double strum fucking blitz of thrash. Wow, Doc, wow. We've said it before, and I'm sure we'll say it again before the album. How ahead of this time is this album? How ahead of its time is this album? Oh, man. You know, they're they're picking, you know, they're, they're, they're plucking kind of influences from the past. And they are just putting it together, constructing it in such a way that you know that it's the blueprint for what is to come it's absolutely awesome doc yeah i mean i i feel as though it'll take the world of metal uh, nine years at least to completely catch up without all of the innovations on this album yeah yeah how this isn't more highly regarded i've got no idea <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
that's almost like a maiden riff, isn't it? You know, and then they rip into some Slayer, basically. <laughs> And there's your carnival stuff. Neolithic mean doc to you in your head when you hear the word Neolithic? Does it mean um, the the newer, um, the more recent parts of the prehistoric period? I would no, say. That's my take. That, that neo suggests something new, doesn't it? But it's still ancient at the same time. Yeah, I mean, uh, aren't artifacts such as Stonehenge considered to be Neolithic? Mm. Yeah, because, you know, they're not... Pyramids, I suppose, the same thing, isn't it? You know, they're not old enough to be truly ancient. No, I mean, the uh, not the opposite, precisely. The corollary with Paleolithic. Paleolithic, yes. So that would be... That's like caveman time, isn't it, basically? Like um, a paleo I think Paleolithic is dinosaur time. Oh, I, think, really? oh. I think Neolithic is caveman time. So... I think in, in Neolithic, there's evidence of civilization and culture and craft. Sure. Just that little bit there with that kind of choral stuff in the background, the Covenant would would, would do that shit about in about four years' time. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, given the subject matter of the song, that's obviously some Viking war chanting going on there. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes straight from, like, a, 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 a UK or at least European folk rock tradition um, mm -hmm. that you'd have found in the early 70s. Yeah. I think it's, you, you've got a lot of Pentangle and Steel Ice Band going on there. Pentangle! The bloody mighty pentangle. Brilliant.
me and the doctor just throwing some shapes at each other on the camera. We're just having fun Push listening. Here we go. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it when a drummer goes kind of snare crazy like that on the snare. I was just going to say drummers don't do it enough. I think drummers are wary of it because you can really hurt yourself. Oh, look, physically, it's problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can really like hurt a joint or pop a tendon or something. Sure, yeah, I can imagine that. And a bit of a kind of RSI potentially, I suppose. Yeah. Neolithic, absolutely brilliant. That's that's the album first side closer, basically, Doc. Um, so there's a couple of bits of lyrical content. There's another great bit of uh, unintentional whimsy here. Um, as the land began to freeze, all the animals were trapped inside. Some animals have moved to the sea, creating a new form of life. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine David Attenborough saying that, can't it's you? It's quite nice, isn't it? It's like something out of yeah. a kid's book. It's quite nice. Yeah. Some animals yeah. move to the sea, creating mm-hmm. a new form of life. That's right. Yeah, absolutely lovely. So, Doc, that, that's the end of side one. Um, what have you made of it so far? I mean, I, I know you know this album like the back of your hand, but come on, give me, give me your, your thoughts so far. Like all my favourite albums, or all my favourite art objects, it doesn't matter how many times I look at it or listen to it or watch it, um, I can always find, I can always spot something new and I can yeah. always find something. And that goes doubly when you're sort of doing close listening to it in company. This album has just got so much stuff going on in it and so many, but it, I, I say this with irony and also with absolute sincerity, because I'm talking about a death metal, a Floridian death metal album from the early nineties. It's got so many hidden depths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and remains one of my favourite things. And it remains one of my top five fucking albums ever, ever, mm. ever. But mm. absolutely no. I mean, I don't know this album as well as you do. I've listened to it, you know, several times, but not for a long, long time. You know, Neolithic, I, I had no memory of that at all. Um, it, it, but so far, it is so strong. I'm, I, I am a bit puzzled by that as, like, the, the side one closer, because it doesn't seem quite dramatic enough but i suppose you've got those kind of you know look, look like the choral arrangements i, I suppose that's why the, 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 they thought that would be suitable um yeah, no, some animals have moved to the sea well that's true <laughs> that's true and that's nice to know that's nice to know of yeah. course um not, not all the animals but some animals some of them so look, to, to, yeah. i presume two of each type of animal that, that, that's my assumption yeah. there um 
Absolutely great so far. Let's move on to side two.